Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Ball. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, visit bullrealty.com. Well, we have a special show for you today. We have the Fed's view on commercial real estate. Have you thought about where we are in this cycle? Have you thought about how underwriting is being impacted today? How are construction costs impacting the market? There's a lot of things going on in the economy and that are affecting commercial real estate. Well, let's get the view of Brian Bailey. He's the subject matter for commercial real estate expert in real estate for the Atlanta Federal Reserve. And Brian is joining us here in Studio uh, One. And Brian, you have a disclaimer for us, right? Uh, absolutely, but it's great to be here, Michael. Thank, Thank you. you so much for having me back. And you know, really, these are my views and not necessarily those of my colleagues mm -hmm. at the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta nor the Board of Governors. All right. Well, we've got that out of the way. I like that. Well, look, uh, I think the, the, the where we want to start out with is, you know, where are we? I mean, we've had a great run here in the economy and uh, people have been in commercial real estate a long time or in business a long time. So it's got a cycle. It's got a cycle, right? It's got a cycle. And then you guys are watching everything very close and you're really looking at it in kind of a commercial real estate lens as well. Mm -hmm. Where, where are we? How, how long is the good times going to last? Well, I mean, certainly, you know, you continue to see future growth. I mean, you look at the expectations right now, uh, and, and I'm fortunate enough, and publicly we, just, we uh, put these forecasts out, uh, but you see that, you know, current estimates are, you know, for continued growth for the remainder of this year, into next year, and into 2021. And so certainly, while you know, the growth has slowed a little bit and we've seen a little bit more uncertainty enter the marketplace, as you would expect, slowing growth, you know, some of those dynamics that create headwinds, we feel more because growth is slowing. And so, and so certainly there are people that are asking more and more questions about you know, where we are in the cycle. At the same point, you know, the best economists in the business that I know are saying, hey, you know, it looks like that the growth is slowing, but we continue to see growth going forward. Yeah. Well, let's look at commercial real estate in particular, Brian, and, and, uh, and through your lens, when you look at the economy and the cycle and commercial real estate, are there some factors in the economy or in the commercial real estate world that, that you would be looking at as a potential recession creator? <laughs> <laughs> if, I will, if you will. We've got to get away from that word. Yeah. We just have to get away. It's a yeah. bad word in our vernacular. But yeah. I think, you know, if so, you know, let's let's kind of look at it. Mm -hmm. So, one, we're fortunate in that commercial real estate lags the overall economy. Mm -hmm. And so certainly, you know, we're coming out of a time where we were creating over 200,000 jobs a month, which in my view is, is almost double what we need to keep up with with population growth. So certainly, you know, those were great times. Now we're in a time where, you know, that number is moderating a little bit and we're, we're down around, you know, 140, 150,000 jobs a month. Still not, you know, a horrible result by any stretch of the imagination, mm -hmm. but certainly a notch slower mm -hmm. than, than, you know, what we've seen in the past. I think commercial real estate continues to benefit from that job growth. There will be markets that benefit more because of in-migration from other areas in the U.S. So, I mean, you see the South, you see areas like the Rocky Mountains, 
uh, South Central like Texas, um, you know, that are benefiting from an influx of, of, peop of people. Now, certainly there are things that can create headwinds. We know whether it's uh, geopolitical headwinds. We know that uh, you know some forms of legislation may create local headwinds. You take uh, the rent control red legislation that was recently enacted in New York, and that certainly has you know kind of changed. Uh, my understanding has changed the multifamily dynamics in some respects in, in you know Manhattan. Uh, which you know, historically has been a very strong market, and now all of a sudden you're seeing you know, some of that capital move to other places. You know, I, I guess kind of boiling it down, you know, the consumer continues to spend, and they're 69% of the economy. So as long as they continue to spend, we're in good shape. Businesses are another 13% of that. Obviously, I think that we are hearing about some more uncertainty from some of the business, business owners, and so certainly we're cognizant of that dynamic impacting growth. But right now, you know, both areas, you know, continue to spend. And when you look at commercial real estate, Brian, is there something going on in the economy that uh, could be an indicator like that could cause a problem? Like when you look at things like uh, tariffs and, and trade wars and things like that, uh, and, and then maybe uh, is it interest rates potentially going up? in the future, you know, what would you look at in the commercial real estate and world say, hey, I'd kind of watch out for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I mean, let's, let's think about, you know, take a, take a step back and just think about commercial real estate. Mm -hmm. It is, you know, a capital intensive business. Mm -hmm. And so really, in my view, the, the two Achilles heel per se, you know, one are the cost of that capital. So anything that changes that and shifted that dynamic pretty quickly, uh, would be would be you know could could create uh, you know some headwinds. I think the other thing is is that in a capital intensive business, the availability of capital is key. And right now, we're fortunate that there is you know significant amount of of liquidity and capital available. At the same point, we know that you know we saw contagion in the last downturn, um, and you know you certainly wonder is that contagion you know, taking form and, and, you know, are the early steps beginning to, you know, beginning to take root in some other sectors. For instance, leverage lending. We've originated globally, you know, a significant amount of leverage lending to corporations that have higher debt, that have used it for buybacks, uh, leverage buyouts, et cetera. Uh, in, in some years, uh, we've originated globally over $700 billion each year. And, and so certainly, you know, big, big uh, amounts that are outstanding, not only at banks, but institutional investors seem to be, you know, kind of beginning to take the charge as the banks have kind of pulled back in that sector a little bit. The regulators have kind of encouraged a pullback uh, from the ba bank's perspective. And, and so certainly, you know, there are some areas that, you know, if liquidity begins to be drawn toward those areas, could take away the availability of capital for commercial real estate, which could cause, you know, some, some, you know, challenges. Yeah. And you mentioned that there's a lot of equity. There's a lot of debt providers out there. You've got private uh, lenders, you've got all sorts of funds. And so how is that impacting, in your view, uh, the underwriting out there on these deals, whether they're construction uh, acquisition loans or just uh, existing uh, properties? Is the underwriting still considered uh, being done in a safe way? 
I think it's safe, mm -hmm. but certainly we've seen a little bit of, of slippage mm -hmm. in, in certain areas. We have the best view into what goes on in CMBS. We have a good view of what's going on in the banks right now. And, and certainly there is a little bit more interest only. There is a little bit, un, you know, underwriting uh, that, that, you know, hasn't met the threshold that, that the initial underwriting was done. So if you did a comparison between underwriting, what was underwritten, and the actual results one year later, there's, there's been some, you know, been some misses. Uh, and so certainly, you know, that's kind of peaked um, our viewpoint, and certainly we've, you know, had a number of conversations with the institutions that we oversee as far as the safety and soundness of the financial system to make sure that, you know, they're aware of, of these issues. I think, I think, you know, not so much underwriting, but you also look at the loan structure right now. Um, you know, what we saw in the downturn was that the banks that ori originated, you know, 90 and 100% plus of construction cost financing, those didn't work consistently. They didn't work real well. Um, and so you would think that, gosh, you know, that would be an area that a lot of lenders would stay away from. And, and recently we've seen not so much the banks do it, but the non-bank lenders do it. And so, you know, being a, a reform developer, I can say I spent many years out, out uh, you know, chasing deals and in the development business. And you know, certainly when you look at 90 or 100% of construction cost financing, you know, it's, it's very advantageous for the development community because certainly they have less equity in those projects, and in some cases, very little equity. Um, and so certainly we know, you know, there was a correlation between, you know, less equity in deals and the number of deals that came back. And so certainly, you know, we continue to watch that. But I look at the issue of underwriting, not only as, you know, what's being underwritten and how it actually performs, but also you've got to look at the initial terms that were advanced because that has, that has implications as well on underwriting. Right. And where do you see loan defaults right now, Brian? Uh, are they still really low? Yeah, I mean, so, yes, they are very low. At the same point, we are hearing that, some of the folks who are engaged in the higher risk space um, are beginning to see a pickup in the in the loan defaults. Uh, so I don't think it's in the bank. It, it's it's not in um, not too much in the banks right now, um, but certainly in you know the folks who are loaning to own. Um, we see and they've acknowledged that more of their projects are running into significant challenges and in some instances, you know, they're getting the keys back. And so certainly, you know, we're aware of that situation at this point in the, in, in, you know, at this point in the economic cycle where growth, you know, remains, you know, stable. Um, even though at a, at a little bit more modest pace. Uh, so it makes you wonder about, you know, what are some of those dynamics driving some of those uh, commercial real, real estate loans into default for some of the, you know, more risky projects. Yeah, and I guess those more risky lenders, uh, they know what they're doing, right? I've, I've seen some of those lenders and they do good underwriting. They kind of know what they're getting into, but but it's good to hear that the, the normal lenders, if you will, the first mortgage, the banks, the lenders that are, are doing the more uh, traditional loans or their default rates are, are still real low. Well, we're going to take a short break. When I get back, when I ask Brian about 
values. I mean, interest rates have been low for so long. We've seen uh, values in most cases creep up over uh, the pre-recession values. Where are we on values? Are we in a bubble? I know a lot of people are that look to potentially own properties very long term have decided to sell right now. And there's still a lot of capital and liquidity in the market. Is there a bubble? Let's ask Brian after the short break. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Chat. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial real estate? You're invited to contact Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Call 404-876-1640 or visit bullrealty.com. Would you like to be the top producing commercial broker in your office? Check out Michael Bull's video training. Since you're a show listener, you receive 10% off your first purchase. At checkout, use discount code CREshow. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. This segment is brought to you by commercialagentsuccess.com. Check it out for incredible training for commercial agents at commercialagentsuccess.com. Today we're looking at the Fed's view on commercial real estate. We have Brian Bailey here in Studio One. He's the Atlanta Federal Reserve's commercial real estate and real estate guru. And Brian, thanks for being with us. And in the previous segment, we talked about some things that are kind of impacting the market. And, you know, interest rates have been low a long time. We've seen, especially in some markets and some sectors, pricing get pretty high. Uh, are we in a potential bubble from the low interest rates? Is that something we should think about if if three, four, five years down the road, interest rates start to rise? It's a great question, Michael. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, first, first of all, um, you know, it's, it's very difficult to identify a bubble. Mm -hmm. If, you know, let's, let's look back a decade and, and, you know, would you have said, you know, in 2005, six and seven, you know, the retail, you know, is in, you know, some form of heightened dynamic at that point. And then you transition to today, and it seems that you know our friends in the press, you know, retail and the apocalypse are you know kind of linked mm -hmm. uh, as as far as the headlines are concerned. And and so so, so first of all, I, I'd say very hard to 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 define you know a, a bubble um, and and identify whether one is happening. Certainly, we've seen you know more appreciation generated because cap rates have come down compared to, you know, NOI growth in a lot of instances. Um, and so I think, you know, we have to be aware that going forward, if, you know, the climate changes and debt service were to rise, uh, interest rates were to rise, you know, big if, but uh, if they were, you know, certainly that puts, you know, is going to put more, more strain. Uh, on the you know financial uh, feasibility of some of, of some of these projects. Yeah, I mean, kind of interesting. I think I look at a, a deal I might be selling at a, a five cap today, and I think about exit cap rate in five years. And I think you know, as a broker that's been around a long time, I think it'd be hard to tell a buyer that expect a five cap five years from now, thinking that hopefully interest rates have come back up a little bit, and it may affect. Uh, but you but you look back to you know five six years ago when you know cap rates you know, com thing. were compressing and you yeah. know we had you know we've had yeah. 
we've essentially had a form of this conversation all the way back to when you know I was in the private side of the business you know 10 15 years ago I mean we saw cap rates come down and we all thought gosh it's a, it's the time to sell mm -hmm. and you saw momentary Terry spot momentary, you know, a little bit longer than that with associated with a downturn. But I mean, cap rates have come back down to those levels uh, that we saw in 2006 and even surpassed those. Yeah. Well, it's funny you mentioned that kind of the pre-recession days and, and how we're looking at the market. And uh, I've told several people this, if, uh, if you're, uh, you're for, to tell, talk to people who are not in real estate, tell them this, look, if you're at a party and everyone there is talking about all the real estate they're buying and the homes they're flipping and stuff. It's time to sell, okay? <laughs> and everybody's talking about the woes of real estate uh, and how it's terrible. It's time to buy. Uh, that, that's my advice to, to tell the non-real estate people. Of course, the people listening to our show are more, more experts. And, you know, so one of the things that, that we consider about the future is what about volume for, for lenders and, and transaction volume? You know, what do you expect moving forward? As far as loan volume is concerned, just yeah. to make sure I'm clear on sure. that. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I think that, you know, we continue to see, you know, the availability of capital um, in the commercial real estate space. And so I think that, you know, what I'm hearing is that the availability capital is, is plentiful. Um, there are some deals that are being scrutinized a little bit more compared to times in the past. You know, right now, limited service hotels have kind of peaked curiosity. Uh, we're building a lot of them. Uh, we're, you know, also, you know, they've been a sector that kind of has been, you know, you know good times or bad times. Uh, we saw a lot of them that, you know, went back to various institutions during the downturn. And so, you know, and, and that is because of the structure. I mean, it's a, it's a single night, generally a single night lease and uh, far, harder to forecast revenue um, and, and potentially, you know, that, it, well, it is tied to consumer spending. And if the consumer decides that they want to spend their money other places or if there's a dynamic that pull, causes the consumer to pull back, then that's certainly one of the areas to, to feel that first. I think the other area that we're hearing, um, you know, a little, a little hesitation around is certainly some of the retail assets right now. And, you know, you, you talked about, you know, if, if you're hearing a lot of talk about the woes of retail, it's time to buy. Uh, certainly we've seen some uh, folks that have gone in, some firms have gone in and, and made purchases. Um, you know, they've got the expertise to kind of navigate, in my opinion, they've got the opportunity to navigate some of the changing dynamics in retail. But certainly I think, you know, those two areas, um, you know, certainly have, you know, some questions around them. Uh, the other thing I think right now is, you know, just from a supply standpoint, we've built a tremendous amount of luxury apartments. Mm -hmm. And, you know, how deep is the group that will fill those apartments? Um, and, and certainly it's a, it's a question. Additionally, you know, uh, you know, price continues to rise at the same point. Uh, as they're coming online, more concessions are being offered. And so, you know, are those apartments, you know, hitting kind of their financial hurdles uh, that were initially guaranteed, you know, represented to the initial investor as well as, you know, if, if an institution has been involved in the financing or some of the questions that, that we've been doing some research around. Yeah. 
Well, you know, and I, I see that in the marketplace as well. We have a hotel group that sells hotels, and we see, and we do sell some limited service hotels. And there's a still a lot of demand from buyers and and, and sellers. And and in, in our retail vision, we're selling when we put a retail property in the market, we get tons of activity. So. You know, and I think part of it is people looking for for returns, right? They realize if if lenders are a little more concerned, there's concern in the in the in the um, marketplace and, and especially in the press about retail. Maybe there's some opportunities for for redevelopment and, as you say, repositioning. So it's interesting to look at you know what what lenders are are looking at, what they're concerned about, and how it impacts the market and how it impacts you know opportunities out there. And one thing you mentioned is is um, uh, cost to, to build new, the, the construction cost. And it seems like construction costs are, have a lot of dynamics. They're really impacting the market. What, what, how do you guys look at that and where do you see it impacting the market the most? Well, yeah, I mean, to give you some facts, uh, one of the largest construction firms in the U.S. shared some information with us where they said across the nation um, that in four of the last five years, construction costs were up over 5% each year. That's a pretty big number, yeah. and and certainly, you know, my response is is you know how fast is NOI growing, how fast are your rents growing? Are they growing at you know a comparable or a rate that it, that exceeds that? Yeah. And I think in a lot of instances, what the feedback I'm getting and the data I'm seeing is the answer is no. Um, and so, you know, then you begin to wonder, well, you know, what does that mean? Does it mean that you know? More projects are um, slower to get started as far as uh, you know new construction. Does that mean that you know we begin to kind of whittle down in some of the other areas? We sharpen our pencil and we say, "Gosh, I can't get this project started unless I'm more aggressive with the underwriting or I need more interest only." You know some of the you know some of those dynamics. It's a little bit of a trade-off in some yeah. of the other areas, and, and so certainly you know we're watching that pretty closely because I think rising construction costs you know have you know so many implications not only on new construction and and construction jobs which are hugely important for the economy, but also for you know the space that's in place yeah. and do we have enough space and the right space to fit the needs of, you know, the marketplace as it's changing today. Yeah. Well, it's really interesting, Brian. I mean, when you look at 5% increases, maybe you're underwriting a deal today as a developer or a lender for a new, new construction, and you're looking at by the time you start building it, it's two years, you got 10% increase in your costs. Uh, that's, that's pretty, pretty crazy in how that could impact you. Absolutely. And yeah. I mean, we know yeah. that the, pardon me for interrupting, you know, the availability of labor is a huge component of that yeah. as well. And mm -hmm. so certainly, you know, not only, you know, cost rising, but then, you know, having the, uh, you know, skilled folks who are able to, you know, make that construction uh, possible. Yeah. And when you look at the, the cost of new supply and the construction costs rising, how do you think that impacts kind of commercial real estate values overall? You know, people like to get properties under construction costs, right? And because you figure out, well, if somebody had built something to compete with me, I should spend a lot more money than I spent, than I can, I can beat them to the market, right, on price. Um, it is the rising construction costs, has it slowed new supply? And in some cases, is that really good for the safety of our lenders? I think, to answer the first part of your question, yeah. absolutely, it has slowed 
new supply. I mean, you look at where, um, you know, take office space. You, you just mentioned office space. You know, we've really not, as a, as a nation as a whole, we've built just a fraction of the new office space compared to, you know, expansions in the past. Yeah. I mean, it really, this 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 uh, expansion. I looked at the state of Florida the other day, and and really, they've built about five percent of the of the stock in this expansion, which is minimal compared to what you saw, you know, historically. Yeah. In a lot of instances, uh, you know, in the in the mid two thousands, they were building you know three percent a year of the existing stock. So to put it in perspective, you know, much smaller. Much yeah. smaller amount. Well, no, one, no one's working in Florida, Brian. They're they're fishing and, and <laughs> scuba diving and well, surfing. Well, I, you know, I, I spent many years in Florida, and I could I could tell you that, that maybe there was some playtime, but there yeah. were also some folks working pretty hard, yeah. uh, trying to make that happen. I think you know the, the the question about you know the safety and soundness of the financial institutions, you know, takes on a little bit different perspective, because you know as we're being more efficient. With our space, I mean, really, that's the other dynamic that's kind of been under the radar screen. Mm -hmm. I mean, we watch the potential for oversupply, and and really, outside of a few areas, modest. But what you're seeing right now is, you know, greater, you know, efficiency. And mm -hmm. so you take office space, and you say, gosh, you know, the the amount of square footage per full-time worker has come down from 250 square feet in the early 80s to roughly 210 square feet today, we still know that that's not what is truly happening for the new companies. The tech companies are aiming for 125 square feet, give or take. And, and so certainly we know that potentially there's a bunch of space that, that may be obsolete. And, and how does that change? Um, you know, the, the, the lending dynamics. And so I think, you know, you see commercial real estate shifting because of technology and efficiency is becoming, you know, a, a bigger and bigger component. I mean, essentially that's what's going on in retail right now because, you know, Amazon has figured out, hey, if we take the stuff to your house, if we put it on a UPS truck that can deliver 20 parcels compared to, you know, having, you know, 20 people out on the road going to the shopping center, you know, it's less costly. Um, you know, also less people out on the road, less time constraints, et cetera. So, so you know, significant uh, gains, I think, are being made from the efficiency standpoint. You know, how does that change commercial lending is a question in my mind. Are the lenders looking at that right now and saying, gosh, you know, tech technology is accelerating functional obsolescence in a number of spaces. Example, office buildings. You know, in, in the 90s, before the 90s, you know, everybody had hard-walled offices. You know, they were 300 square feet per full-time equivalent or 250 square feet per full-time equivalent. Now it's all open floor plans. Mm -hmm. And so certainly if you have those buildings that were geared for 300 square feet per worker, and now they're being used at, at the more intense rate of 100 square feet per worker, what does that do for HVAC? What does it do for uh, life safety, elevators? You're going to use yeah. those items much more intense, yeah. which means they're going to wear out faster. Yeah. The other thing we know, construction costs having gone up, we know the fit out are much are, are much higher. Right. And so I think you know then then you have a question if you're an owner operator, you know, 
I know at some point I'm going to have to come out of pocket with a lot of dollars mm -hmm. to rehab this space or, or bring it up. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes that decision can be harder because those numbers are, are so expensive. Yeah. And in some instances, I'm aware of a few, few examples where the uh, owner, even though they were current on their loan, decided not to make that investment and they turned the keys in to the lender, yeah. which certainly is a dynamic we have not seen in years past. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, a lack of, of new supply, that we that this new supply levels are extremely low. And there seems to be a lot of investors around the world that are kind of looking even at real estate right now and thinking, hey, if we do hit a, a recovery or a soft market economy, uh, real estate is safe. Is, is part of that because of the lack of new supply? I mean, if we look at the past recession we had, there was a lot of building, a lot of overbuilding, and it seems like every recession I've seen or downturn, there was this kind of overbuilding mentality. It seems like we really has, haven't had that. Does that create a bit of safety in the commercial real estate uh, equity or debt world? I think from a supply standpoint, mm -hmm. the answer is yes, mm -hmm. though I would say there are probably a few sectors right now um, you, you know, it's, uh, that, 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 that may pose greater risk. I mean, sure. you think back, you know, strip retail mm -hmm. was synonymous with overbuilding. We consistently mm -hmm. overbuilt it uh, through a number of expansions. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, um, we're seeing, again, some of the efficiency take some wind out of, out of retail sales. I, I, the other question I, I do wonder is, you know, with all of this luxury multifamily, um, certainly we have built very little multi, uh, affordable multifamily, pardon me, um, and so where would the folks go? But certainly from, you know, just a, a vast amount of supply, we've built a significant amount of luxury, uh, luxury product and, and, you know, at very high prices. Yeah. And so certainly if you were to sit, you know, some kind of slow patch, you know, that may, may put, you know, added pressure not only on those owners, the residents, but also, you know, the, the lenders behind some of those deals. Yeah. So back to your example of properties that kind of lenders may be watching out for investors, the limited service hotel, you know, some of the retail um, and some of the luxury multifamily. Well, Brian, what would you leave our audience with uh, related to the future of the commercial real estate world, uh, at least the immediate future ahead of us? <laughs> You're really trying to get me in trouble, aren't you? <laughs> um, I think, you know, I think right now, you know, we're fortunate in that commercial real estate lags mm -hmm. the overall economy. So, you know, I, I would say that dynamics are better in the commercial real estate space than the overall economy, though things are not bad mm -hmm. in the in the overall economy. I mean, we continue to create, you know, 130, 140, 150,000 jobs a month, and that's more than we need to keep up with population growth. And so, you know, as long as those dynamics continue to remain, you know, in, in force in the economy, I think that, you know, commercial real estate will continue to benefit. At the, at the same point, you know, certainly as we're seeing some slowing, you know, it's, it's time to make sure that your financial house is in order. I think, you know, we know that in the last downturn, you know, one of the lessons learned was that, you know, the borrower themselves, if they were disciplined and right-sized the amount of financing that they felt that they could undertake, um, you know, those borrowers tended to perform better than and had less distress than, than borrowers who took 
every dime that they could get out of the institute, out, out right. of the financial institution. Right. So and I overall, you're seeing a lot less uh, debt loan to value ratios are a lot lower than they were in the past, right? Well, I think and that before the downturn, I think on the surface they are lower, yeah. Yeah. but. At the same point, we talked about underwriting misses, mm -hmm. which would push up some of those mm -hmm. loan-to-values. And yeah. so I think that it is at a more muted level, more modest level than what we've seen in the past. At the same point, I, I do think that you know the actual number is somewhat north of there. Yeah. Well, Brian, thanks for joining us. Great information. It's great to sir. be here, Michael. Thank thanks you for, so much. Thanks for being with us. And, and thanks for watching and listening. Thanks for sharing the show. Hey, we'd love to have your comments and connect with us on your favorite social media. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, visit bullrealty.com. Commercial Agent Success Strategies, incredible training for commercial agents. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com.